marriage and single again. We will look at various issues like sex, emotional ties, calling, expectations, and consequences on our community. And uh, this is actually the most feedback I've ever gotten when we've announced the series. And I've gotten it from a lot of other pastors that I know, and they've been like, how are you going to cover all that information? <laughs> and I've told them, I have no idea. <laughs> we'll, we'll just see how much we get to. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, kind of a, a broad-based uh, idea or, or look at relationships. One thing is that this is not a marriage, it's not a series on marriage. And I want to make that really clear. I'm not doing a teaching on marriage. I'm doing a teaching on relationships and the role of relationships in life. And that in, in all forms of relationships, it, it does get complicated. But the Bible gives us advice and instruction on how to navigate through uh, this maze uh, that we find ourselves in in various relationships. So this week, this morning, we're going to kind of look at the big picture of relationships and, and just communicate some big picture ideas about relationships and how, how God fits into that. Next week, we're going to get a little more specific and deal with romantic relationships and marriage. And uh, so that will be just one week on, on marriage and, and romance. And romance, of course, means everything associated with dating uh, uh, um, as well as uh, courtship and, and all that. And then uh, week three, we're going to focus in even a little more specific and talk about sexuality. Of course, that's what you're all waiting for. That's, that's really what. But we may talk about sex a little bit every week just so, you know, keep, keep you guys awake. Uh, <laughs> And then the fourth week, actually, you may not know what this means, but it's, it's called integration. And uh, integration is, is going to be the idea of, of how, how, how it all fits together and really how it all is intended to fit together in you and, and being integrated. The, the fourth week is really important to get it, get it right. And this week is really important to start out right because we're going to take the concepts that I'm going to share this week and kind of apply them. Uh, in the different areas over the next couple of weeks. And again, I'm just going to um, uh, do a brief survey because I only have 30 minutes each, each week. I can't do an in-depth discussion on these really big issues. So I, I encourage you to take the time and seek out, uh, be Bereans, you know, study Scripture. God has a lot to say. In fact, this whole book is all about relationships. That's the core. It's really all about relationships. And learn from God's Word. There's also many other resources. A very respected teacher that I listen to, is called, his name is Chip Ingram, I-N-G-R-A-M, Chip Ingram. He's a fantastic Bible teacher. Has a daily radio broadcast, and I was surprised to find out that this week he started on a series called "Love, Sex, and and uh, uh, Building uh, Lasting Relationships." And so, highly recommend that you can just Google Chip Ingram, and it'll come right up. <clears throat> so, uh, a lot of good books. So, dig deeper. Um, relationships is such a big issue. We find that most often, I, I don't, even, I wouldn't even say most often. I would say always, <laughs> pretty much. When there's problems in a person's life, turn me down a little bit, uh, uh, it's, it's, it has to do with a relationship. There's some relationship that's out of whack. You know? and, and so many uh, Christians uh, and, and people, just people in general, uh, whether you're Christian or not, frankly, screw up their lives uh, by getting involved in the wrong relationship or taking a right relationship and making it wrong by wrongful behavior, and, and, so, and it's so important to life. 
and setting the course of your life uh, is so significant. So we want to take some time to look at this and, and kind of dig a little deeper. Before I get into the, 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 the stuff of the teaching, I'll just share a little bit personally. You know, some of you know that I like to bicycle, and in fact, I frequently take uh, yeah, I take long bicycle trips. I haven't had the opportunity uh, this year. I've only been able to do short rides, 20, 30, 40 miles. I think the longest was 50. Uh, but I like to do multi-day rides where I'll do like many days between 80 and 100 miles a day. And so you're just on the bike alone for, you know, six to seven hours a day, and then you sleep. <laughs> and then you get up and then you ride. That's all you do. And I've noticed when I'm, when I'm alone like that, and I do it because I like being alone. Some people like to ride in, in packs. I actually don't like that. I don't like to ride with other people. I ride bicycles so I can be alone. <laughs> uh, and it's good. But after a few days, I notice a change. It's usually after the third day, something is different about me, you know. And then about the, after the fifth day, I start getting weird. <laughs> Same thing happens. I've done the, I've done the uh, retreats of silences that you know, or uh, prayer retreats. And after a few days, you start thinking weird, you know. You just, I don't know if you can relate. And I guess only if you've spent a long time alone will you understand what I'm talking about. But you start thinking kind of wacky, like, who are all these people? <laughs> you know, like, well, I don't know. you don't want to talk to anybody. And yet, actually, the longest ride I took was, was many, it was over a week, uh, and uh, I hit a place when I had to talk to someone. I, it was kind of difficult. <laughs> like, well, uh, could you just give me the donut? <laughs> Because you get so focused on yourself. <clears throat> and so being alone is, is good, but there's a point where isolating yourself, it becomes bad. In fact, isn't the harshest form of punishment for a prisoner, what is it? Solitary confinement. Oh. People don't mind going to jail, but don't. Not solitary confinement. So there's a point at which it gets destructive. It's, it's, it's not right because we're, we're not built that way. We're built to be in relationship. Maybe you remember the movie Castaway. I have a picture from that. Uh, this was a few years ago. But, um, you know, the, the character in Castaway, uh, in order to stay sane, he had to invent uh, a make-believe person, right? And uh, what was his name? Yeah. Wilson, no, the actor's name, Tom Hanks. Everybody knows the Wilson. We everybody liked Wilson. Wilson should have got the Academy Award, right? <laughs> right. So he's trying to make a fire, and he and he he can't. He cuts his hand, and he throws all kinds of stuff. And but the handprint left on the ball kind of looked like a face, and he ends up uh, uh, calling it Wilson. And over the years, he develops a. A relationship <laughs> with Wilson. He, he, he talks to Wilson constantly and he argues with Wilson. And so uh, it kind of illustrates the need that we have as human beings to be in relationship. And when there's no one else there, we will make up someone. And uh, uh, in order that we have to communicate, we are created in relationship. And when we're not in relationship, it's not good. Does that sound a little familiar? You can go past the slide now. Uh -huh. Genesis 2:18. The Lord God had created everything, 
You know, and he said it was good. You know, he created the earth and the sea and all the creatures. And he says, ah, it's good. And at the end, it was very good. But he looked down on Adam, and Adam was alone. He says in uh, chapter 2, verse 18, the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And then again in chapter 1, uh, verse 26, in the, uh, chapter 1, is the initial uh, telling of the story of creation, it says, God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created uh, man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, singular, male and female, he created them, plural. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on earth. So there's a number of truths that I want to pull out of this, these verses right at the beginning of the Bible, the story of creation that speak about who we are as human beings and, and who we are created to be and, and how relationship is, is part of our original creation, how it fits in. It's, it's not good to be alone. First of all, in, in, uh, in sinless paradise, Adam was sinless, right? When God looked down and saw him alone, he says, it's not good to be alone. So in sinless paradise, there can be something that's not good. Or the big idea here, big idea number one, I have three big ideas today. Big idea number one is, even when nothing is wrong, something can be not good. Even when nothing is wrong, Something can be not good. Nothing was wrong with creation. Nothing was wrong with Adam. But it wasn't good that he was. And, and the reason I bring this, the reason this is a big idea, is because it applies to every aspect of your life. Because there are situations when something's not good, and instantaneously in your mind, in your spirit, you say, "What's wrong?" Okay. If it's not good. It's something wrong. What's wrong? Something's wrong with me. Most people start there or in there or just stay there. Something's wrong with me. So many people walk around, something's wrong with me. Or something's wrong with them, whoever it may be. Something's wrong with my spouse. Something's wrong with my kids. <laughs> something's wrong with them, whoever them may be. Right? And something might be wrong. But you know what? Even... If everything was perfect, there can still be lack. That's kind of a, a big idea. That's a concept. And what I'm challenging you is to say, okay, let's just not look for blame and look for what's wrong. But acknowledge that even when nothing is wrong, something can be not good. When we experience a lack in our life, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing something wrong. It may, but it doesn't necessarily. It may be actually an invitation or a calling or an unfulfilled part of your destiny making itself known. It's an indicator light in your soul. It's a ringtone in your spirit. 
saying something is unanswered. Sorry. (laughs) Don't get me laughing. (laughs) It doesn't necessarily mean something's wrong. It may mean something's wrong. But you have to embrace this this understanding that there is longing for things to be fulfilled that, frankly, on this side of eternity, will not be fulfilled. All right? There There are some things that will not be fulfilled in this life. If in this life only we have hope, we are of all men to be most despised and pitied, Paul said. Because the hope for our fulfillment lies not only in this life, but in the life to come. All the fulfillment. I say this a lot. I don't think anybody gets it. It'll take an eternity to get to know an infinite God. That's why we're going to live with Him forever. So if you're content with your relationship with God, you haven't met God yet. You've only looked at the brochure. You haven't gone there. Are you hearing me? And the same thing in life, in relationship, is that there can be desires unmet that aren't wrong. It just is a desire that is intended to draw you into something deeper. Okay? And it's challenging you. And what the mistake that often happens is instead of uh, allowing that desire to draw you into a something deeper, something more radical or, or life-changing, you settle for something that anesthetizes the desire, something that numbs you, something that is a cheap substitute for what you're really called to. And you, and you placate your flesh when your spirit's hungering for something that tastes more like God. All right? Adam was in paradise. He owned the world. But there was still something missing. And that miss, what was missing was relationship. And of course, this passage is always applied to marriage, and rightfully so. But it involves more than that because it's really the beginning of the human race. So God did not meet Adam's need for relationship only in Eve. He met Adam's need for relationship by becoming beginning the human race. Right? And, and he told them to fill the whole planet with people. Because that's part of our destiny. To have relationship, not just with one person, but with a multitude. Alright? Uh, so, this passage uh, specifically relates in relationships of marriage, but it relates to everyone. Whether you're single, you're divorced, you're married, doesn't matter. Uh, it, it, it means that it's not good to be isolated. It's not good to be alone. And there's a level in every individual where you get to a part that's isolated. And that part of you that's isolated, it's not good that, it, that it's isolated. Because you were intended for relationship. Every part of you was intended for relationship. We'll get to that more in the last week when we talk about uh, integration. All right? So, some big ideas, <clears throat> some uh, points that we want to pull out of this creation story. Uh, um, the first one was, 
What was it? Even when nothing is wrong, something can be not good. All right? So you can have unmet desires, and it doesn't mean your spouse is wrong or you're wrong. It's, just a, it's a calling card. It's an indicator light. It's a ringtone to go deeper. Big idea number two is Genesis 1.26 says, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Um, we are relational because God is relational. Our need for relationship is a reflection of God's nature reproduced in us. Right? Our need for that unity. God says, said, let us, plural, make man in our image. All right? and, and so, in our, uh, the foundation, the, the matrix that makes us human is the necessity for relationship. All right? Because God exists eternally in unity, three distinct individuals, but eternally unified in love and life and commitment. There's never any, any fracture, any divide between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. There's this perfect unity that exists forever. And God wanted to reproduce that nature in a created being. And so in the core of our being is the need for relationship because it reflects the nature of God. And the, the idea of the Trinity, the truth of the Trinity, is one of the most precious, most valuable ideas within Christianity. It's unique to Christianity that there's one God in three persons because that one God is so unified, so close, so one with each other that there's no divide, there's no way, there's no crack between them. They're completely uh, intimate in union. All right? And that it reflects our need for relationship. And so our need for relationship is a manifestation of the nature and character of God. Therefore, our relationships should be a reflection of the character of God. All relationships. Relationship is to manifest the nature of God. What nature of God? The, the way God the Father relates to Jesus and Jesus to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit to the Father and that love, that unity. Our relationship was created to reflect that, to display that, to reveal that, to, to manifest it. And so we need, to, we need to acknowledge this. We need to say, wow, why are there relationships? I mean, this is pretty important stuff. And how can I make my relationship right? Well, the only way it's going to be right if it, if, is if it's patterned after God. Because that's why you have a relationship. That's why you were created that way. Does this make any sense at all? All right. It's the kind of big ideas. We're going to zero them down to the practical stuff in the next couple of weeks. We are relational. Big idea number two. We are relational because God is relational. Our need for relationship is a reflection of God's nature reproduced in us. All right. Even the most when you look at this, it's really reflected in all of creation. When you even look at single celled organisms, the most basic organism. Right. What do they do? If you look in a microscope and it's alive, what's a single cell organism do? It divides and multiplies. Have you ever seen it real time? 
Multiplication of cells? Man, that's wacky. It's like they know how to have babies. <clears throat> really, you can watch them grow. And they have to multiply in order to survive. Wow. Even the most basic of organism needs to have relationship in order to survive. And the higher up you get on the organizational level of a creature, the more complex their relational connections become. And so in the animal kingdom, you can see uh, animals that, that exhibit you know, complex relational uh, dynamics and groups that live together and there's a ruling, you know, whatever. And oh, there's all kinds. They study this. Dogs and dog packs and stuff like that. And there's all kinds of relational dynamics that go even birds, you know, and, you know, song, bird songs. Why? Because they're trying to find a date. <laughs> right? Is that not true? They're singing to find love. You know, <laughs> so every organ and the higher the organism is, the more complex it's it's a relational dynamic. Unfortunately, as humans, sometimes we devolve to a lower state and begin to act like animals. Um, <clears throat> it amazes me when certain uh, uh, groups that have a particular social agenda will appeal to the behavior of animals to justify the particular behavior that they may be promoting. But this, did you get that? Sometimes it amazes me when they say, look, this behavior is found in the animal kingdom. So it must be okay. Just because it's found in nature doesn't make it natural. A dog will have sex with any other dog at any time. No problem. Doesn't mean it's okay, does it? Here's another example of animal behavior. In one of the most complex creatures, and uh, they live in family units. Oh, that's really happening. That's a lion cub, by the way. Must have been an accident. Oh, Daddy. Tori said I shouldn't show this. Oh, it happened again. Is it done? You can get stopped. Just because it's found in nature doesn't mean it's appropriate for humans. Why? Because we're, we're more complex. We're created in the image of God. And we're to display God's nature. We're to actually, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, but bring dominion to that. Why do, why do lions kill lion cubs? If it's a male, it kills other males because it doesn't want competition. Even female lions will kill the cubs of other female lions. Okay? Oh, that's horrible. Over a million children are killed in America today, uh, a year, because we don't want to share our resources of love and time and food with them. 
we've devolved and behaved in, like an animal. It doesn't make it right. It illustrates how wrong it is. God has created us to live in relationship. And in those relationships, not reflect animal behavior, but reflect His character and His nature and to have dominion. All right? We're not to act like animals. We're to have dominion. And Genesis 1.27 says, God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. So the big idea number three is that we are created in unity to have dominion. In unity to have dominion. All right? Both are extremely important. Um, it wasn't a grammatical error when it says He created Him. He created them. Okay, He created singular human. He created plural human. It's because in that relationship, that was the fullness of mankind. Human. Humankind. Male and female. And, and this is reflected again in the, in the verse specifically about marriage. Is Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they shall become one flesh. In other words, you're so one in every dimension, you're actually one person. And when you're married, that's the ideal. That's what God created. Of course, we, we've fallen into sin and the world is marred. And uh, marriage is supposed to be that the ultimate expression of the unity that's portrayed in the Godhood. But the unity of relationship is, is not intended only in the marriage relationship, but really in all relationships. Okay, in other words, I'm not saying that we're to relate with everyone as though they were our spouse or certain things that are preserved or reserved just for that relationship. What, what we're supposed to be on the level of unity, and I could pull out many verses in the New Testament where it talks about us becoming one. He's broken down the wall of division and made us one in Christ. And this oneness is important because our unity in uh, relationship with one another is to reflect the unity that's in God. And until we experience that level of unity, there's going to be a longing and a hungering because we were created to have that level of relationship. Is this making sense? Yeah. All right. And so that lacking can't be met with lesser things. It needs to be met with that level of unity and relationship that is that is characteristic of God. We're supposed to live like God, represent God in our world. And, and <clears throat> so big idea number three was that we were created in unity to have dominion. All right. Um, uh, and Romans twelve seventeen talks about this unity in all of our relationships. I could have pulled out a lot of scriptures. I didn't have time to, to elaborate this a lot. But just this one scripture says, says, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. So in relationship with everyone, see the good. Don't repay evil for evil. This, he's giving you practical advice on how to interact with everyone in this way. He says, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably. We're in a peaceable union okay, with all people. All right? That's an appeal to live like God would live. All right? <clears throat> All of our relationships, we should be looking for the good in the other person, looking for the good in the situation, and looking to see how I can live and relate to this individual to represent that unity that we see in the Godhead. <clears throat> and to have dominion. Right? Now, dominion 
you think, well, that must mean someone has to be in subjugation. Someone has to be under us. And a lot of people misunderstood and understand that this, with Adam and Eve that, uh, and dominion. He was, they were so one that God called them one. All right? They were equal. And in that unified relationship, they were to be in dominion. That means that we are not to be influenced or subjugated by other influences, but that we were to be the ones to uh, display the nature and character of God throughout the whole world okay? and transform the way the world works in all relationships uh, so that it reflects God's nature. That's why we can train animals. Why, just to be playthings? No, because we have dominion over them. That's what Jesus meant when He said, pray that uh, um, Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Bill Johnson says it all the time. Behave on earth like behavior is in heaven. Act on earth the same way God acts in heaven. Or, or in, the, in, the, in, the, in the context of relationship, relate to someone here on earth the same way you expect to relate to them in heaven. All right? <clears throat> Treat them that way. Because, listen, it's not dependent on them. All right? So this applies to all relationships. How you treat somebody is not dependent on their behavior, beliefs, or actions. It's dependent on you. All right? And so you need to treat people you like and people you dislike both as representative of how God would treat them. Through love and grace and self-sacrifice. You need to treat the people that you agree with and the people you disagree with the same way. The people that vote for the same people you vote for and the people that vote for other people the same way. Alright? Why? Because all relationships are to reflect. Relationships are important and relationship has, has purpose. It is to reflect the nature of God. And it's the best way. It's in interacting with other people that you are best able to reflect God's character. It's not when you're alone doing a Bible study. It's when you're with someone that you hate and you show love. You know, you're with someone that's doing something that's despising, you know, that's horrible. And you demonstrate integrity. In return. Okay? Now, doing the Bible study hopefully will teach you how to do that. <clears throat> but it's having dominion in unity. So, in, in our relationships, this applies to marriage, this applies to dating, it applies to friendships, it applies to uh, just treating someone uh, with respect in a grocery store because you see them as a co equal. Creation of God, and that all humankind are on the same playing field, on the same level, and we're to have dominion. You know, and, I see, and, and people get like all bent out of shape because someone did something wrong. When really they should take their energy and say, We have a problem, let's fix the problem together, instead of let's attack the other person. Does this make any sense at all? 
the big picture is why? Because that's the nature of God and that's how we were created. And until we learn to live in unity, having dominion, you'll never be happy. Okay? You'll never get relationships right. I'm going to share real quickly a practical thing that you can do. I'm going to tell you how you can do this, how you can get all of your relationships right. I'm going to give you two points. You ready for this? I guarantee you this will work. And if it doesn't, you can have your money back. (laughs) If you can find any. (laughs) I guarantee you this will work. In every relationship, include Jesus Christ as the mediator. Okay, listen. In other words, treat every other individual as though you have to interact with Christ as you interact with them. Okay? So there's, there's no interaction between me and Chrissy directly. And in truth, there isn't. But sometimes I, you know, conveniently forget that I am in Christ and the Holy Spirit's in me. But in every interaction, I acknowledge, intentionally invite and include the influence of Jesus Christ into the relationship. You will never sin. Come on. If Jesus Christ manifested himself in all his glory, all right? And I was sitting at a computer terminal. I would not go to a porn site. I don't go to porn sites anyway. Because Jesus Christ happens to be sitting right there. And the Holy Spirit is in me. Um, When I talk to my wife, I have to acknowledge... And she was in here first. She was in here teaching Sunday school. That I'm not just talking to my wife. Jesus is part of the conversation. You know, even if you're arguing with somebody and they're not there. You ever do that? You're arguing, arguing with someone and they're not there. Jesus is there. Invite him into the conversation. That's all I'm saying. Jesus, how do I respond? Real time! Real time Christianity. Now I have to go home and do a Bible study to find out what God says about something. Alright? But Jesus, there's, there's two scriptures, there's two truths. It will radically change your life if you believe these. Colossians 3.3 3, You died, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Alright? You died... Your life is hidden with Christ and God. My wife and I confess this at least once every day. I'm dead. My life is hidden with Christ in God. That means I exist in God with Christ. All right? Truth number two, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. It says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you're not your own? And the context of that verse is is sexual relationships with others. That your body 
is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay? You either believe it or you don't. Either it's true, and if it's not true, you shouldn't be in this room. Right? This is a core truth of Christianity. Right? Living as a Christian means that I am in God with Christ. And Christ is the mediator between me and everything and everyone. And so every interaction I have with anyone needs to be mediated by Jesus Christ. I need to bring God into the picture. And the way you do that is you keep God in the picture all the time. It doesn't mean you can't work, you can't talk with people, you know, you're always praying. No, that's not the way it works. But you're consciously aware. And when you blow it, you repent and ask forgiveness. Right? <clears throat> These were never meant to be theologically abstract, you know, musings. These are truths that I am in Christ and the Holy Spirit is in me. And so every action is, interaction is governed by how Christ would behave. And I, I respect that. Let me give you a few examples in closing here. All right. <clears throat> this went over well in first service, so I'll use it again. <laughs> I'm, I've been practicing this for a long time, and, and, it, and it takes a long and I'm not very good at it, frankly. I'm just learning how to do this. But I'm like, okay, what does this really mean, that, that Jesus Christ is active in every relationship? I mean, every relationship, right? So it's, it's not just my wife, but driving down the road, and there's a beautiful person of the opposite sex. Now, Jesus, check out that babe. <laughs> Is that appropriate? I think it is. I'm like, wow, Jesus. Good job. Doesn't mean I'm, lo- I'm not going to lust after You know? Because I don't want to violate my relationship with Jesus. But I gain knowledge. That person is beautiful. You know? Or, you know, say there's someone that, what? Well, you know, the guy who's got his pants down here and his underwear sticking out. I'm serious. You know what? You know what my flesh wants it to do? <laughs> Bump. <laughs> I'm just like, it's just not right. Okay. I'm gonna roll down the window. I said, do you realize you look stupid? You know? And I go, God, I've, I look stupid in a lot of ways. I, you know? I really, I, I like, I go, okay, God, how do how do I deal with that? <laughs> I just invite God into the conversation. How do I deal with that, Father? I mean, that was, or someone, you know, someone was in my way in the road. And he was in the wrong. And I told my wife, who was on the motorcycle, look at that idiot. I got into his space a little bit. And then afterwards, I was like, that was just stupid. That was just stupid. Cameron, that was stupid. You know, if you invite God into that level of relationship, you'll never end up in bed with someone who's not your wife or your husband. Come on. If, if you invite God into that level, that when you walk in and you're dealing with the store clerk and they're not getting it, 
All right? And you go, Jesus, I think I need some help here. <laughs> we were created to be in unity to rule the universe. This is not about the $40. You know what? Just keep the $40, and I'm returning the item, and you can have it. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Have a broken shoe or whatever. <laughs> Are you hearing me? Yeah. I don't know what the particular solution is, but because God's in the relationship. And if you treat everyone that way, you'll never commit sin. But more importantly than that is that you'll begin to enjoy the level of relationships that we were created to have. The level of unity and intimacy and purpose that God created us to have. All right.